0: Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're well. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice. And we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time. The study of the word of God. And uh, we are currently studying the book of Matthew. And uh, um, we have done uh, five chapters. Today we hope to complete the sixth chapter by the grace of God. And uh, I believe that the Lord has blessed you. Remember the Lord speaks to us. There is not any limitation to the revelation of God in our lives, because God does speak to us. And uh, we have gone ahead to uh, handle chapter 6. We looked at the acts of righteousness that Jesus was talking about here and how they should be done. This included, we started with giving, then we went to prayer. How do you give? How do you pray? And now today we want to handle the issue of fasting because all these are acts of righteousness that he goes out to speak about and how we should do those acts, how we should act um, when it comes to those acts and how they happen. And uh, he starts by telling us in verse 16 of uh, chapter 6, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. Do not put on a gloomy face when you're fasting. That one we know. Not everybody should see you and immediately know that you you're fasting. And sometimes we even take it further that we have to go out and even proclaim it everywhere. You know, for me I'm in a fast. You know, for me I'm fasting. No, he says, uh, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Yeah. There are many things people do to be noticed by men. In this case, he's talking about first those who do not care about how they look, their appearance. Yeah, they look sad. They look like the entire world is ending that day because of the fast they are going through. That is one way to be noticed by men because it will show to others that you are in a fast. But also, notice being noticed by men can come in speech. Yeah, that. You're, you're, you're proving it to everybody that you're in a fast. Yeah, it's like you need a, a speaker and microphone to inform the entire community that you're in a fast. When that urge comes, that is trying to be noticed by men during your fast. Yeah, this is totally a good issue. And it says, truly, I say to you, they will have their reward in full. Remember, we said, when he says that you will have your reward in full, it's not saying, it's not implying that you will have the best of it. No. The reward in full is for the nature or the way you've exhibited that which you are doing that is not in the right manner. And that does not come well when they say that you get your reward in full. In this context, it does not come out well. Yeah, But you, when you first anoint your head yeah, and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is practically saying that you do the fast, you look good, yeah, and not everybody has to know that you are fasting. Do it in secret. Now, many of these things, just like we looked at giving, giving in secret. Not letting your left hand know what your right hand has done. Uh, As we looked at prayer, that you go, enter your room, close the door, and pray. Not everybody has to see you. And now, he's telling us about fasting. That you can fast and not let anybody know about it. You do it in secret because your father, and he makes it specific here, that your father who is in secret, because God sees what you do in secret, and God rewards you in that secret place. And that's what he says: that do it in that nature. The Lord who sees you in secret shall reward you. Now, as far as uh, uh, fasting is concerned with them, this was an act of abstaining from food. Yeah, you say you're not eat food; you not eat anything, uh, and this was especially done for religious purposes, as we learn from the history and where. These communities come from as Israel, even other nations, by the way. They also used to take on fasts. But as far as this were concerned, when you talked about fasting, you were talking about abstaining from food. Yeah, You say, I will not eat food for religious purposes. And the only fast that was required in the law of Moses that they had in the Mosaic law was that of the Day of Atonement. That is a day that they were expected to fast. That is a day that was... Uh, Written in red For them That you are supposed to fast On the day of atonement Throughout the Old Testament Period however There are many other examples uh, Of fasts that were done On different occasions And on special occasions And uh, these Were done Of course sometimes To Stop any calamity that was coming yeah, or try to uh, have God uh, help you in that case that it does not come. For example, Samuel called for such a fast First Samuel chapter 7 verse 6. He called for a fast of that nature. Jehoiakim as well. He proclaimed a fast after Baruch had read, of course, that word that was given. Some of his books you may not find in the bible but they are there and information is given about them and um jezebel also called for a fast of course this one was uh, hypocritical what jezebel did because he called for a fast when she was trying to secure naboth's vineyard and that's first kings chapter 21 verse nine and th- this is very interesting because there are people who call for fasts for wrong issues for wrong reasons And you call for a first When you want to claim somebody's property Yet you know From the depth of your heart That is not your property The likes of Jezebel yeah. Sometimes we do religious things We perform religious acts We do these acts That should be of righteousness For the wrong purpose Just like people can give for a wrong purpose Just like people can pray for a wrong papa, someone goes and closes the room and starts to pray, saying a prayer that is totally negative about somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's the same case here that Jezebel does because for her, when she goes out to call for a fast, she wants to claim the property of Naboth, which is very insane to do, but it was hypocritical and she did it. Yeah, and we also get to see examples. Yeah, had David uh, when his child is ill. In Second Samuel chapter 12, he also called or went into a fast. Ahab on hearing about what was going to happen to him, he also called for a fast. So you had very, very many reasons and numerous uh, reasons why people would get into fasts. After the exile, when they come out of the exile of Babylon as Israel, Um, There were four annual fasts that would be held in memory for them, uh, for the Israelites. And they called these fasts just for the natural calamities or the calamities that they've gone through as a nation, they decided to call for these fasts that would happen. And uh, they are mentioned only in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 1 to 7, and uh, these fasts established Uh, were established or came to pass during their captivity. And they were held in the fourth month, in the fifth month, in the seventh month, and in the tenth month. Now, by the time of Christ, most of them were not in effect, or they were not being used. But then we see that they get revived again after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. That is later in 70 uh, A.D., and we see them come back into pass. But these are things they put in place. These were firsts that were placed for them to obey as Israel. Though originally the only one they had was the one on the Day of Atonement. And uh, of course, some of them included the Feast of Purim. This is explained in the Book of Esther. That one they used to hold. And uh, it was done uh, in commemoration of the Fast of Esther. And Mordecai, that is the the feast of Purim, which they did, and the Jews also in what we remember the story of Esther, what was going to happen to them. That's where they started that fast. So, the Old Testament will give you a number of instances and fasts that people would do, fasts that individuals would do, and uh, this is an act that used to be done, fasting among the Israelites, would either be partial or it would be total. And that also depended, or it was dependent on the length of the fast. Some would have partial fasts, others would have complete or total fasts. Uh, When Daniel mourned three full weeks, he ate no choice food. That we read about him. He ate no meat, no wine yeah touched his lips we we read about that in daniel chapter 10 and that was uh with conditions yeah it had conditions of the things he ate and we see this first being done even today there are people who pick on such fuss say i don't i'm not going to eat meat for this period i'm not going to eat this uh, type of food for this period yeah just like daniel did and uh you would have another first, for example, one mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, the first on the day of atonement, which was also done from the evening until the following evening, yeah, and no food or drink was taken. Then you had those that would be done from morning till evening, yeah, you had the first, like the one of Moses, which was uh, exceptional, of course, those ones, 40 days and nights, uh, those ones were special specially done yeah and uh these are all types of fuss and i know you might also be having your your natural fuss that you do yeah special specially done for yourself and this is the issue what is key is the heart what is key is the intention of what you're doing yeah because uh it it, it doesn't matter you know you will have all these points of it should last from this time to this time It should have, you should not eat this during this. No, let God speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you on the nature of fast that you want to take. And this is something that is very, sometimes has a lot of discussion with it. But as far as we're concerned and what we read here, fasting would happen in that time. And fasting still happens in these days today and uh, you had also cases for example of anna who worshipped night and day fasting and praying in luke chapter 2 verse 37 we also had pharisees who would fast twice a week they had their days i think it was monday and thursday yeah every week that they have to fast and That is now terms being set by individuals that for me, I fast twice a week. I fast three times a week. Well, it's a discussion to have on the legality of that. But as far as the Pharisees were concerned, for them, they would do it twice a week. And they would come out and brag about it, by the way. Jesus himself, who is talking in this scripture, fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. And uh, we, we know what happened in this fast. After that, the devil comes to, to tempt him. But, uh, there's no reason to doubt that he observed this, uh, prescribed public fast as well. And he practice it. He, He does come out to practice it. Though, in Jesus's case, there are moments where he comes out speaking on fasting on different parts that are recorded in the scriptures. And, uh, he comes out again also to warn yeah we 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 will get to that when we reach that part of the scripture but he also comes out to warn on the nature of fasts that you do yeah making it an occasion yeah so that people praise you so that people are, are, are calling you all sorts of names and praises of righteousness because of what you do yeah and we need to understand that the important thing is the purity it is the honesty and it's that intention that you have when you're fasting and that Jesus calls out strictly yeah he calls out strictly he will approve the fasting yeah of course he does not stop you from fasting he does approve of the fasting because he mentions it here in this word that it should be done but also this fasting issue should be to God. It is not supposed to be impressing human beings. You're not impressing anyone by deciding to say, oh, we are fasting as a church, and the pastor will know that I have not fasted, so I have to fast so that the pastor knows. No, that does not apply. Who are you pleasing? Are you pleasing God? Or you are pleasing the pastor? You need to be very careful about that. So Jesus approves of the fasting if there's a condition there. It's an expression of inner devotion. If it's an expression of that commitment, of that fellowship that you want with God. Of course, the Pharisees, as far as they, they had the two days of us, it was practically a show-off. Yeah, It was practically a show-off. And we saw even later on, as we shall read, when they come to ask Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees first, but your disciples do not fast and Jesus replies and says that fasting yeah would the 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 condition he he implies in his response to them is that this has something to do with the connection and the the fellowship that you have with God it's not going to be just a show off like you guys take it to be and he tells them the time will come the time will come when uh they will fast because even knowing that it was done as a sign of mourning, probably implied that the time will come and I will not be here and they will need to fast. But as far as this is concerned, in whatever they are talking about here, this abstinence from food, yeah, does not even just take away, uh, take, take the direction that you're abstaining from food, but there are even other things that you have to abstain from, there are other pleasures that you have to abstain from. You have to make sure. That it's not just uh, the act that you're doing, but there's an impact on your life. Yeah, It's not just the outward fasting. There are other things that come with it. And uh, I read a scripture sometime about obedience being better than fasting. Because this was practically in the angle of people who think that because you've fasted, then you can live any way you want. It doesn't matter. You you're in a fast, but you're treating people like uh, they they do not exist. You in a fast, but your your mouth utters words that are disgraceful. You're in a fast, but you do not wish the best for others. Yeah, you need to be careful because some fasts, like we read in scripture, you might fast, but what is the impact? What is coming out of you? What are the words that you speak? Is it just outward? Or within you, in your heart, there is an impact. And clearly, as far as Jesus speaks, he shows us that fasting is important. Fasting is key and should be done, but the nature in which it is done and the intention with, with which you carry that is very, very important. Verse 19, he goes ahead now and talks about a scripture that we read up much. He says, do not store up Yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves what treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It is just as clear as it is. We will store up things here on earth. We will try to make things ends meet here on earth. We will gather all the wealth we want here on earth. And unfortunately, sometimes we do it while hurting others. But he says, do not consider that here. Do not store our treasures here. Because here it can be stolen. You can just get up one day and all that you have has been taken. It does not exist anymore. It has been stolen from you. But when you store up that, when you store up for yourself treasures in heaven, that is when you look into the issues of the kingdom of God, and that is where your focus is. When you're looking into the issues of the kingdom of God, and you're looking at his precepts, and you're looking at his commands, that's where you're storing your treasure. Because there, when you store it there, nobody can break in and steal it from you, nobody can take away that eternal life that you're storing for yourself up there. You will have it because God shall do care for you. He shall look into that need. He shall look into how much devotion you've had and how much you've focused on him. That is where you should keep your eye. Yes, there are these things on earth and we do want them and we want to see them happen and it's it's not discussion. We want a good life. But we do not do it at the expense of that which is a treasure that should be in heaven. So, Jesus says that where treasure is, that is where your heart will be as well. And uh, he makes it very clear for us. That leaves us a, a very big question. Where is your heart? Because where your heart is, that is where your treasure is. Where is your heart? Is your heart on the things of this world? Is your heart on the wealth of this world? Yeah? It's because that's where you've decided to have your treasure. If I place my treasures in heaven, my heart will always be concerning the things of heaven. It will always look to the things of heaven. It will always uh, seek for that righteousness. And goes ahead and says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The eye is the lamp of your body. Of course, there are lots of uh, discussions concerning the scripture and uh, the nature it takes, but I'll take it in the plain understanding. That what enters, yeah, brings the light. What comes in determines your life. So, if what goes in from the eye, what you consume with the eye is dirty, then clearly your body shall also be in a similar state. If I put in, if I drag in the things of the light, then my life shall be filled With light. Now, most of the things and how we operate is with the eyes. The things we see, the things we read, the things we watch. Yeah, what do you take in? Because that which you take in eventually shall fill your life. That which you take in shall eventually fill your life and it will come out and be seen by others. Yeah, if I live um, in a reckless manner and I watch reckless things and I read reckless things, eventually that is what shall be depicted in my life. And I'll take it in that angle of discussion. Of course, there were all those beliefs of how the ancients thought eyes operate and uh, the beams and whatever, but I will not get into that. But here it's it's just a clear indication to us that what comes in will determine what you live. What comes in will determine how you be portrayed and how you will act. Now, verse 24 which we'll close with today. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the other and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. I'll read that again. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Jesus is telling us here that you can only make one choice. You can only make one decision on who you're going to serve. It's just like if you have a job and you're working a job, uh, at, at the same time, you have two probably that you're working in the same period. You can only be devoted to one. You cannot... Be devoted to both masters. You will be devoted to one. You'll give the other one because you want the money, but you will be devoted to one of them. Jesus comes here and says, Now, this serving that he's talking about here might imply or could imply or does imply that we are talking about spiritual matters here. That who are you going to serve? You cannot serve God and wealth. Others will say, Mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Of course. As far as their, uh, history is concerned, two masters rarely shared slaves. But in case this came to happen and they did share the slaves, it led to divided interest, which we've just talked about. And this is something that they would understand when Jesus is telling them that you cannot serve two masters because it is something that they would experience. When it comes to mammon, this is a, an um, Aramaic word for possessions, all for money, yeah? And Jesus here brings it out as an idol, or he mentions it uh, for them to understand, yeah? And Jesus says that a person cannot worship both God and money. Others will say mammon, yeah? The Greek word translated money is mammonas, and it's, of course, like I said, borrowed from the Aramaic, and it actually refers to the worship of Baal. It to them in this context, as it speaks, it is referring because of where it is translated from, it is referring to the worship of Baal. But by Jesus' time, it had probably taken on uh, another dimension, which now was prosperity. Yeah, and Jesus uses the term here in the Bible, and he warns us that you cannot serve both God and mammon, which is money, which is also. Uh, in the context of a small God, because that is what happens, that we make money like a God. We worship money, and it becomes a God in our lives. And he says you cannot do both. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot make money, your God, and then you have the Almighty as well, and you say you're going to worship both. And let us be clear. This does not imply that you remain broke. This does not imply that you don't have an intention or desire to get rich. The problem is when you start to worship that wealth. Because that's what happens, that it gets you off, off the direction of worshiping God. But you cannot serve them both. You will have to have more interest in one of them. And that should be God in this case, not money. And whenever you look at money, we've seen it even in the religious circles, even in the religious or church leadership, that the moment you switch to look at money as the important thing, then you forget about the things of God. You forget to serve God. You forget to do uh, the precepts of God. You forget to run the ministry in the God manner that he would desire for us to run it. And that's key. Serving wealth. Serving wealth. Having consideration for money having consideration for Mammon as a God representing this wealth. And may God help us and give us the grace because there are so many people out there and there's so many ministries out there that have had a turn. It is now financial. Everything is financial. If you want to come for this meeting, it is financial. You need to pay this. I'm not saying, of course, there are those things that you have to cater for logistics, but sometimes we take everything so so much in the monetary way and we lose the aspect of the gospel do we ever read in the scriptures where jesus is out there telling people to pay for a crusade no we do not yet he did the best of all if it was a miracle crusade that he was holding nobody paid for it but now we will see on TV that if you want to to be blessed, if you want a, a miracle, if you want to be prayed for and you start to see if you are blind, then come with this amount of money. Then I'll pray for you. No. That is looking at wealth and you're serving wealth and you cannot serve God and wealth. May God give us the grace to get back to the basics and do those things which honor Him. Because whenever we run away from that, then we are looking to another God, Mammon. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We pray that you help us live in the way that honors you. We pray that you help us live in the way that exalts you. May we do that, which is going to help us draw closer to you. And may we run away from that which draws us far from you. Because Lord, we know in our hearts that we are here for you and it's all that matters. We exalt you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our podbean channel or reach us through our website bibleindepth.com